presents Vampire the Masquerade Hellfire Nights Good evening everyone and welcome back to another episode of The Bardic College Presents Hellfire Nights. I'm Raz, your storyteller for this chronicle. And when we last left the team, they had decided to once again split up. Several members had made their way out to a well-to-do district of London known as Richmond to check the morgue and see if they could identify the body that Doc- Dr. Jackal had had his contacts keep an eye out for a deformed body that may or may not turn up somewhere in the city, potentially a gentleman, uh, and he was tipped off that such a corpse may have been found. So they made their way there. Ashenbrenner was going off to meet with his supposed Malkavian friend, uh, a female that has been giving him some insights and warnings regarding the goings-on in London. And finally, Simona Delatore was going to make her way back to her estate and try to potentially scrounge up any other clues that she might be able to to just confirm the information that she's recently been given. So that's where we uh, are tonight. The threads of the tapestry that is London are quickly unraveling, and our players are finding themselves nearer and nearer to neck deep in not just politics, but a terrible game that could twist London so far to the core that it may leave them weakened as a family, ruined potentially in the Camarilla, and who knows what else could could transpire. Um, there are all kinds of machinations about to explode. So come with us uh, on this tale back to 1886 and join us for another exciting episode. We'll, let's continue where we left off. Over to the university. So the carriage pulls up outside. Um, doctor, it is uh, it is now on closing on midnight. Uh, how are you going to get this parcel inside your laboratory, sir? I assume that I have a somewhat secret way since I have in the past, uh, you know, employed, uh, shall we call them grave robbers to bring extra materials uh, into the school for my more ambitious students. Mm-hmm. So I would use whatever that back entrance way is that uh, we sneak the uh, the extra credit materials in through. Okay, yeah. So something that you've 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 concocted a, a route that is normally not spied on by any night watchmen or you know people that are that are at the university. It makes its way across the grounds through several buildings through an old part of you know a, a, the university that that used to be maybe a. A dormitory or something, but yeah, you're able to eventually carry it in. Just go ahead and whoever is the best of you uh, with perception, just give me a, a perception and alertness check, whichever one of the three of you is the best. Um, my, I don't have alertness. I have a perception of three, so it's probably not me. Okay. I've got a total of six between the two. Oh, sweet that God would in mean heaven. the doctor is definitely the most perceptive, but and yet he has no perception of what we are as creatures. It's very interesting. 
Listen, people lie to themselves all the time. I'm very, I'm thin and 20, so I'm sure it makes sense for the doctor. I was going to say the phrase willful ignorance comes to mind. <laughs> Absolutely. So go ahead, doctor. Just go ahead and give me a roll of those dice. We're looking for a couple successes here. Uh, three successes. Ooh, excellent. So you do catch a watchman who is um, napping in an unfamiliar area this evening. Uh, his shift must have gone long, but you're able to... Uh, you can either re reprimand him by leaving the body with the women for a few minutes and going around and scaring him off, or if you just don't want to even cause any type of a... I want to leave as small a footprint as possible. So you just avoid him. Okay. Yeah, the three of you are able to avoid him, even though the ladies' boots are built for fashion and not stealth so much. But uh, you make your way back to the laboratory, and you're able to bring Rennie into one of your operating theaters. Okay. Um, so, you know, I will lay the body down on uh, one of the tables. Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, close any open blinds or an operating theater. I guess there wouldn't be windows to the outside. No, there's nothing. Yep. But turn up turn up some gas lamps, put on, you know, my leather Soft music. apron. Yeah, a little... <laughs> little Maybe some of that jazz uh, that Paul was playing earlier. You know, turn up, turn up some gas lamps, arrange the mirrors in a way that reflect the light, you know, as best as possible, and put on my... Uh, my leather apron that I keep in the classroom for when I'm giving, you know, in-person lectures with live dissections and the gloves and take out not anything that would actually cut, but like some prodding tools and such. And just start very methodically cataloging all the exterior injuries, uh, you know, opening the mouth, making sure that there's nothing that's been like stuffed in her mouth and, you know, just a very, a very thorough, but at the same time, not overly evasive um, search and giving extra caution to not disturb the stake, though I may try to like dust it for fingerprints or something. I think they had that technology back then. Yes, uh, that was the comings of criminology at this point. You, you go through all those things. Ladies, what are you doing as the doctor prepares himself and the body for examination? I have pulled Rosamond to the side as the doctor bustles about in his in his way, and I want to ask, like, okay, Evelyn has an idea of where she's bringing Rennie, but she just wants to know, like, for sure, like, what's gonna happen. Um, Rosamond, uh, dear, where do you intend to bring the poor creature? To a safe space, where she can awaken without any risk of killing an enormous amount of humans, and she won't do anything stupid, I suppose. You haven't answered my question. There's a Chantry here in London, as you know. I'm not supposed to say where. And you think... Of course you do. Of course you think that is the best place. Um, perhaps a more neutral location? This is a Nosferatu, and you're bringing... It's a... She's an important Nosferatu. Bartholomew was missing. She's one of the more prominent members of the clan, and we're bringing her... You're bringing her straight into a Chantry? Evelyn, give me a political role. Can I combine that with anything? Intelligence. Okay. Oh, yes, that's a quite interesting boil right there. <laughs> Thank you, Doctor. Uh, Come on. <laughs> you have to, Doctor, you pick the area where you want to find a boil, and there's a boil. <laughs> there is no doubt, wherever you're looking, there's probably a boil. Something's oozing pus, some, or was, something smells wrong, something's just not there. What do you got, Evelyn? Uh, three successes. In your thinking through the last several days of events, the Tremere and Nosferatu, if anything, would be the two clans that you, from your politics of London and the current pulse of society, would be the two clans that 
Kiernan would trust the most. Okay. Having her revitalize Rennie in a, in a safe environment. Now, that's your political side. Your fear of Tremere's side is telling you oh. you don't leave you yeah, you don't let someone go with them. Yeah. So you make the decision on what's more important, how you want to play that. Um uh Keeper, can you give me the name of I know a lot of Nosferatu's are going to be like in the more hidden areas of the city. Um, with the exception of Rennie, none of you have seen any. At all. Okay. So I can't no. even contact a Nosferatu that I know and be like, hey, we got her. She's going in here. You could let you could let Kiernan know in case you're worried that she doesn't come out. That's okay. I've I'm I've decided to do that in my noggin. Makes sense. Darling, um, if you think this is best and your two families work so closely, uh, forgive my hesitance. This is a delicate matter. I would hope someone would be as concerned if my <laughs> corpse were found. Indeed. Still speaking delicately in front of the doctor. And I say in response to sort of ease her conscience, the primogen are currently running the Chantry from within. If anybody will be able to calm Rennie down enough during her revitalization, it'll be them. And it's not going to involve sub making her submissive in any way or whatever you assume we will do. It's just a matter of this is the way I can help and they are the people I trust most in this in this city right now. You may not trust them, but I do. Rosmond, do you truly believe, and I'm asking as a player, do you truly believe, well, I'm sorry, as Rosmond's player, that if the Tremere had a vampire under their control, that they may not keep blood or do other things to it just in case? I'm asking, do you believe that? Or do you believe that they'll save her because she's with the prince and they may do a little bit of manipulation? I was trying to play nice, but I guess you brought up a good point. Um, I'm asking you what, she, what your character believes. Is she naive, or does she know that the Tremere can do things? She knows they're capable of doing those things, but she's also seen them do great kindness, like during the sickness that was going on in like London a couple decades back that right. made them become favor. They were doing their magics for good reasons. This is a person who needs to get, this is a vampire who needs to get out of torpor and she's needed an investigation. So harming her or doing anything to possibly endanger that would be foolish. I guess she would assume that there would have to be magic involved, but she wouldn't think that Rennie would be harmed or in any way, like taken advantage of in some okay. way. So she believes that if they revitalize her, it's going to be with the intentions of only serving the prince. In this instance, yes. In this instance, yes. Okay, good. Then we're fine. Alright, so uh, that's the situation there. Doctor, you're making your review of the body, and go ahead and give me a medical and intelligence roll. Medicine uh, and intelligence. Right. Please. You're able to glean. Alright, so I've got a combined eight with those. Of so course you do. Here. You're not gonna you're not gonna believe this. I'm gonna take like a picture of my dice, but all eight of them are successes. <laughs> I'm so Thank happy you, Jonathan. because I'm so I'm so excited that a doctor who has no idea about vampires is about to get the most the shock successful. Of his life. Yeah, I'm i I've been waiting for this. Yes, please. Yeah, this is coming. Oh. So, so doctor, <laughs> you <laughs> 
you are uh, you start your cursory, uh, you know, as you say, topical inspection of the body of Rennie, and you immediately go into your your natural mode, right? Of of any type of prep for a, a medical exam, a post mortem, and you look at the eyes, and you look at the mouth, and the teeth are all wrong. They don't appear to be human in any way. Canines are all just jagged. Her, you know, her two front teeth are protruding far too much out of her face to the point where she almost looks like she has, you know, a fang lisp with her lower lip kind of going underneath. The stake is definitely through her chest. Her nails are all wrong. They, they're, they're much thicker than a normal human. Um, there's no hair on anywhere on her body. The lesions and boils are terrible. She just everything appears. Everything appears to be that this creature should have died from these ailments. The body, as you know, its workings dictate that the human frame can only and the human physiognomy can only take so much. This steak was not her problem. Like this is this was so far beyond where the problem really wasn't the piece of wood in her chest. The problem is the other twenty-seven things, including syphilis that you've identified. That just doesn't make any sense that this body was able to keep walking even yesterday when you saw her. Evelyn, you wanted to say something? All I was going to um, say is that while the good doctor conducts his examination, I don't need to be here for this. I know she's messed up. I um, go outside and have my driver. I, I hand a, a quickly penned note to my driver right? Um, to pass a message to get a message to um kiernan frazier's house so okay so here's the way this is going to work strictly on intel give me what's your intelligence uh three give me a roll two two okay you are it with you are able to retrace your steps through a darkened university that you've never been to before without losing your bearings or getting lost you do nearly bump into the security guard who's asleep, the night watchman, but you're able to make your way over that. But this is not a simple jaunt. This is not, oh, I step outside and hand him a note. This oh. is going to take you about 20 minutes to get to get there and get back. Because you're doing it surreptitious. You can't be seen on the grounds. You're, you would be escorted off. It, you have no reason to be here at night. Um. So, so if you're still planning on doing that, that's fine. But you are going to be gone for a good, let's say, half hour or 40 minutes. Oh, well, this was anticlimactic then. Well, I'm just giving you a heads up. Okay, well, forgive the anticlimaticism. Uh, we're going to, on our way out, we'll hand the note. I kind of wanted it to get to him before Rennie was in the chair. You can, still, you can still do that, Evelyn. It's just, it, it, this this walk wasn't, you know, up the stairs and there you are. This was, he brought the body in through surreptitious means to not get seen with the cadaver. Okay. Eh, what the hell, let's do it. Okay, so you're on your way. Yep. So, Doctor, th- yeah, this um, there is really nothing that's telling you in your medical experience that this thing has been alive and for quite some time. So, why don't you go ahead and make me what? Well, actually, what's your willpower? Okay, so five. Okay, so you have a choice: you can roll the five dice, or you can permanently burn one. And permanently means for this chapter of the story. And if you burn one, I'll say that you're able to make, maintain your composure and not grab the scalpel that's laid out next to you as it normally would be and slice this particular person insanely open quickly, trying to find out, you know, how dead she's been for how long. 
Yeah, I'm going to, I'll burn it. I'll, okay. I'll, uh, so I'll just check that off. So you leave the body intact at this point, but your hands trembling. Rosamond, you're watching this whole thing go off and you realize that the doctor has been taking a long time and it's his face is showing signs that things are are starting to add up. All right, then I will like go up to his side and just give him this look like, everything okay? Ms. Henshaw, you aren't going to believe this, but I have no logical explanation as to how this poor woman is even alive enough to be killed. I mean, I guess looking down my list here, there are any number of causes for her death uh, well before somebody would have a, had a chance to put a stake into her. It's it, it, it's absurd, really. It's just the, this right here on her arm is gangrene. She should not have this arm. She says, I'm not as well versed in these sorts of diseases and killing viruses. What, uh, what do you think it is that's keeping her alive? Uh, uh, I... Medically speaking, she shouldn't be. I mean, without without delving deeper, if you'll pardon the little medical pun, uh, I couldn't tell you what has kept her alive. Uh, she, frankly, looking at some of these things closer, she should have already been on, if not dead already, the verge of death when we encountered her in the sewer. And certainly you know, some of these markings are indicative of being exposed to waste materials for a prolonged period of time and the bacterium and diseases and such that will occur from such exposure. But uh, she should have been coughing up blood every time she opened her mouth, from what I can tell. It is uh, quite, quite perplexing. I... Keeper, is there how like I know Bram Stoker's Dracula and Frankenstein and all that was out then. Mm -hmm. um, is there anything that I would roll to like say like this is out of, you know, a Bram Stoker novel or something like that? Penny Dreadfuls had all kinds of short stories about vampires and the word Nosferatu was already known in England. If you're trying to keep him from understanding that would probably be more of a role than re re recalling something from a, you know a penny novel or whatever. At, okay, at this I point, did, yeah. I just wasn't sure if these things were in this world per se. Oh no, no, absolutely, yeah. Oh, in, well, in modern in in um, ancient mythology, there were vampires even in Britain. So yeah, no, that's not it. Well, trying to make a, a yep. pop culture reference, so Palidore exactly. was published already. Yep. So so. If I didn't know any better, Ms. Henshaw, this screams of something that you would find in a Palidori story or one of those penny dreadfuls that the common folk are so fond of. It, it's, it's bordering the supernatural. I feel like I should call up Miss Shelley and see if she wants some source material for a future endeavor. <laughs> She's okay. So that conversation continues on. Evelyn, you eventually make your way back into the room. And uh, we'll go over to, to Ashenbrenner. So Ashenbrenner, you, the two of you, you and your friend, have you asked her name yet? Are you trying, are you going to do introductions before you go down and play with Maurice? Or is this more of a, let's just have a good time and we'll deal with, we'll take it as the day comes or the evening comes. Yeah. I, I would probably ask the name after, you know, cause this. After the beating. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> always have fun before introducing ourselves. Exactly. So, yeah. All right. So you make your way down the stairs 
Uh, he is, he has fallen asleep in his chair. He is absolutely not aware of your presence. And um, she, she creeps up behind you. And maybe to your surprise or not, she makes far less noise even than you. Like, she comes down the stairs almost as if she was Panther-esque, just making not even the, – the boards the, – the steps that you stood on that creaked don't even make a noise as she passes across them. She is absolutely silent as she moves. That's fantastic. I, ta- I take note of that. Okay. Um. Okay, so now before there was sort of a series of uh, manipulation and subterfuge and uh, presence, should we do those or do you want that as sort of accepted? Yeah, we'll accept that for tonight. This this has been that's fine. You're you're here you're here with a master of of, of manipulation as well yeah. or a mistress of manipulation. Between the two of you, you're going to not have any problems convincing him who you are. Wonderful. Okay. Fantastic. Okay, so I guess uh, so. We're in there. I'm gonna I'm gonna lean in real close to him, and and I'm going to very gently, actually no, very roughly, just thwack his nose and just make sure that our faces are just just inches away from his. And I'd like to really turn it on. I'd like to turn on the dread gaze and just absolutely, yeah, put him into the put him right into the panic. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, oh, oh. Oh, no, 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 I, this cannot, what, who is with you? You have never, you've, you've never come with another one. Good evening, pig. How were your ejaculations? What? You, this is not, this is, this is not the... Answer me, you filthy fucking pig! They were fine. I was, I was alone. How could you know of these things? This, it was, I. It was alone. I know the name of every sperm you spit out of your broken little pig fucker. He counts them as well. That's what she adds to it. And she goes back and sits across a table, uh, kind of leans down, you know, kind of rests her body up against it and watches the, the, the act sort of unfold for a few moments, taking a, uh, a step and just looking around to see what kind of things she can grab and use as props to hurt him. But uh, he ha- you have his full attention, let's just say. Excellent. Oh, Father Pig, I'm so sorry for being impolite. This... Is my lady Lilith, <laughs> and she is here <clears throat> for you to settle a bet between us. I believe you would rather consume your mother's earthly remains than a recently dead rat stuffed with the feces of sodomites, but she. <laughs> She believes the opposite is true. Settle a bet. He literally tries to get out of his chair. Um, she just <laughs> You just hear chuckling and laughing. He uh, falls over the armchair that he was sitting in, leans backwards. He tips, you know, ass over tit. He's kind of like laying there, struggling almost like a turtle on its back. He's he's retching and he's now rolls to his belly and, and screams, No, 
no, I'm a man of God, no, and starts pouring his way over into the corner. I'll I'll kind of do a uh, um, after you gesture at uh, at, at uh, Lilith. She goes over and grabs a candle and makes her way over to him, and she's she blows on the flame to just make it spark just a little bit more. She's just kind of drawing this. She's forcing her chest open with, with to air because most vampires don't need to breathe ever, but she's she's expelling it, and the wick starts to burn, and she gets it a little bit hotter, and then she's like. He's asking for an answer, and she pours drips of wax onto his exposed head and skin and on the back of his neck as he's walking away. She's like, I could make this hotter. We could make it so much hotter, Maurice. She's doing that to him. So he says, "What? Just say what you want. Say what? You, say what it is. This, this is cannot be a. This is not for me. I, have, I would do neither. I am a good man. I'm a good person. I, 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 I say the psalms. I, I, I guide my flock." I'm just waiting for an answer. <laughs> okay. Um, he thinks it through, and after a, a, a few moments, much to both of your surprises, he says the remains of his mother. <laughs> okay, I'm going to lean into Lilith. You owe me a shilling. So she looks around the room, goes over to his coat that's hanging on a, a coat rack, fumbles around in it, takes one out, and throws it to you and chuckles. She, she says... Have another. She ch- ch- flips you another one with her thumb. So she gave you two shillings. Excellent. Right out of his coat. He's he, Tears are pouring down his face. You, his heart rate is so accelerated. You can't not help but hear it. He is literally on the edge of some sort of shock from, from the fact that the two of you have hit him so hard with these disciplines, with the dread, with the gazes and the, and the, you know, the, the awe in, in terror that he's... Um, He's latching on to life. Like right now, he's in such a panic. You know, it's like a gerbil heart pounding in his chest. Excellent. Okay, good. Um, well, you know, I'll, 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 you know, lean in real close and, you know, Father Pig, you are obviously busy. Perhaps you could go for a fourth or fifth. But before we go, I was wondering if you would show us your rod and staff for uh, uh, two shillings. He uh, he just lays there and, and, and sort of tries to curl into a ball. She walks over and she's like, sometimes, you know, we can take things too far. And she leans down and just with strength of someone who is supernatural, just starts to tear the clothes from, you know, from his back. She doesn't do his trousers, but she definitely does his shirts. She leaves him, you know, in that that soft, doughy body of an older person. That, you know, in his in his mid 50s, who's basically fed well and, and doesn't do much except walk from point A to point B uh, about town. Uh, he's just doughy and soft and she leaves him in, on the floor crying. And you can see also that there are marks across his back, marks that seem to be fairly recent uh, and not from a single lash, something that multiple strikes, you know, at from one post, one one thrash down. And he's he's quivering in the corner, and he's and he's just a complete and utter mess. He pisses himself. He's all, all the human frailties are coming right to the forefront. Okay, well, I'll I'll flip one of the shillings kind of uh, onto him, and and uh, consider this a down payment for the pig. And then I'll just kind of uh, raise my eyebrows at Lilith, like, "You good?" She says. She comes, leans in close, and says, "Can I ask him a question?" 
He's at your disposal, my lady. She leans down and says, If I was to ask you why you didn't keep him, why you didn't let him stay, and recommended that he should be taken away from here and put into the care of others, what would your answer be? If I was to ask you that question. And he's like, I don't know. What do you mean? The boy. The young boy with all the promise. What? What do you mean? And she punches him. And you hear a snap that something definitely doesn't, didn't sit right with his face. You don't know if she did a, hair, a hairline fracture, but swelling is almost instantaneous. And she says, I kept my eye on him from low a year now and you sent him away. Why is that? What made you do that, Maurice? And he's like, he was evil! And she starts laughing. She says, no, but we are. And she looks at you and starts to walk away. Wonderful. Um, okay, I will, uh, I think as, as I'm walking away, I'll uh, just sort of sonorously just like sort of sing something in Latin, some psalm. I don't know any offhand. Sure. Yeah. Just imagine it's just deliciously blasphemous, just like evil custard. Um, yeah, then I'll, <laughs> I'll follow her out. Sharp pudding. Yeah. yeah, so you make your way out. She uh, she stands there and she is just giddy and guffawing, uh, having a, you know, she's she leaves the look on for herself, but does uh, she secures the cloak around her neck, not because she's cold, obviously, just for the fun of the cloak, and looks at you and says... The minute you told me the address, I knew this was going to be fun. I aim to please. And I am so sorry. And I'm going to, you know, bow very great, uh, very graciously. Ashenbrenner. Muse. Excellent. Are you hungry? I could eat. Famished. So she says, yeah, she agrees that food would definitely be something that the two of you could get inspired by. I assume it's going to be more of the raucous type of feeding where probably the poor, the individual won't survive it. I mean, hey, you know, anything can happen. Yeah, with the two of you. If you go out on the hunt, uh, you move yourselves to a district a little bit further from the chapel and the church, simply because both of you use him as a, a source at times. And while you're in a mood, you're not careless either, I would think. And uh, you make your way down to a, a slightly smaller neighborhood where, you know, people mill about but it's the streets are a little quieter it's not on the church grounds itself where there would be investigations and then all that stuff and yeah you're able to you you pick a, a drunkard as he's stumbling his way home the publican is finally closed and he's just making his way okay i i'd probably ask her um maybe maybe you could lure him oh absolutely she takes on the 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 visage of of a a redhead uh, make you know pulls her shirt down over her shoulders starts walking past but goes when she sees him kind of looks at him walks another half a street or so finds a small alleyway moves her way in you know way into it and you do you heard her whisper something as she passed him and uh when he, when she said these words or you know you just heard a soft, like this soft whisper he stood up kind of a little taller his eyes cleared almost a little bit and he just made his way to the and, and turned almost like mechanically into the alleyway excellent I will uh, follow him in. Yeah, she's already pushed him up against the wall. Split, you know, there's blood flowing from a wound on the back of his head, and she's not being very delicate about it. So the two of you can go ahead and feed. That's and that'll be, you know, that moment will happen with her 
ways of feeding. She normally doesn't leave a lot for others. So the two of you will definitely leave a body in the alleyway in this particular part of town tonight. Cool. Sounds good. All right. So moving on to, let's go back to uh, Simona. Simona, what are you, you're heading, are you heading back to Evelyn's at this point? Yeah, I, um, you know, I make sure that I stay, I stay like at the site of my home for just like a, a, a healthy amount of time, just in case Mary Reed is still in the area and just like watching what I'm doing. Okay. Um, you know, like I kind of like make sure that I'm like, I look visibly upset so that, you know, in case she does report back, you know, she's not like, oh, that, that heartless wench was just kicking stuff around and then she dipped after five minutes. Give me an acting and uh, either manipulation yeah, or charisma role. I would say probably manipulation, but I'll accept charisma if you want to add that with your acting. All right. Um, so I rolled three for manipulation. And I only have one success. One? Okay. So if Mary Reed's in the area, you, you believe that you've stayed for a, a reasonable amount of time, especially since you, you told her that you had already searched the dwelling at least in haste when you got there the first time when you found Bastion's ring. You decide that it's time to get up and leave, I guess. Yeah, so I go back to the carriage and I instruct the carriage driver um, to bring me back to Evelyn's. You do have several choices ahead of you. You have return to Evelyn's, go back to Elijah, head to Kiernan. Now, your choice is you're going to Evelyn's, right? I mean, those three things right now, any of those would be a logical thing to do. Yes. Elijah would be securing you back with, you know, that situation. Evelyn's is waiting for your team of, you know, your your cadre to come back together. And Kiernan is going to just basically rat Elijah out. Your, your choice is though, Evelyn, correct? Yes. So yeah, the way that I'm thinking about it is I already told, I had set up Elijah to make him think that um, I had called in a past favor with Evelyn to um, set up accommodations for me. And if I pull out of them very abruptly, she might think that something is wrong. So I'm doing that as sort of a way to kind of cover myself, but also to go and try to figure it out. I'm not ready to go to Kiernan just yet. I think if I just go and I'm the single whistleblower, it's not going to work out well for me. Well, you, that's fine. You, that's not a problem. That's your intention or that's your thought. That's great. Back over to Jackal and um, Evelyn Wolf and Rosman. So, Doctor, you've, you've done your exam. Evelyn walks back in the room. Rosman has told you that there, you know, they, she does have a place where she could take the body where they can, you know, deal with it respectfully. But you are absolutely flummoxed. You know, you, like you said, you, you, you believe for all intents and purposes that this thing does, just wasn't able to walk a day ago. So how do you, what do you want to do? Do you want to go back to your, you know, is everyone going to separate at this point and have Rosman take the, the body? Are you heading back to Evelyn's? But it's been almost an hour. You actually, your 20 minute cursory glance turned into almost 90 minutes. What, uh, what time is it about? Uh, now it'd probably be a little, probably after one thirty in the morning. Uh, well, Ms. Ms. Henshaw, I know that the original idea was that you were going to take poor Ms. Rennie here back to your residence so that you may contact her family and uh, see that she is dealt with respectfully. I must caution, though, that many of these ailments that she somehow still has post-mortem are quite lethal. If I had not taken the precautions that I did, well, frankly, I would be concerned for my own well-being. Are your people uh, adequately set up to handle 
frankly, I'm going to coin a term here and register it with the medical association tomorrow, a biohazard. <laughs> <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> biohazard. We do enjoy wearing gloves. She pulls up her hands to show, like, gloves. <laughs> Does that make you feel better? Well, maybe you might want to invest in some face coverings as well. I do hear they work wonders. Um, kind of wish I had put one on myself. Uh, if you feel that your people are suitably prepared to handle a body in this state, I suppose that um, that is well and good. I believe I should retire. I did promise a medical report in the morning, though I may leave out some of the more egregious uh, things that I have found. We don't need to cause a panic here in London. Yes, I, I believe I should retire for the evening and get to work. Okay, so, Doctor, you make your way back. You, you say goodbye to the ladies, but you help them get the body back out. Yeah, out to the car. Right. Absolutely. You, you make your way sneakily through. Into the Tremere hearse. They wouldn't have known how to get here unless you summoned them here. Would you have done that? I would have done that and send out a call to, yo, got a body. Can you help me out here? That kind of thing as I... Evelyn, at some point, yep, at some point you you saw in the 90 minutes after you dispatched your note, you saw Rosamond staring into a a, gla a case with a mirror, a glass, you know, like a medical case that has a mirror so that doctors can quickly look in. And if they don't see it in the front row and it's reflected from behind, they can look. And there's this, this reflective surface. And although that you do, it does nothing for you, you see Rosamond and she's sort of mumbling into it. Um, yes. So there's a, at the university, I will await your, thank you, I will await your arrival. And you just hear these, and you're like, uh, okay. And she turns and says, they'll be here soon to pick her up. And she's, that's all arranged. So doctor, you're able to bring the body out and there is another carriage. It's down the street about 60 yards. They didn't know where in the university to pick the body up, but you see Evelyn's carriage off across the street parked. Hand, you know, off the side to not raise any suspicions, like right outside the building. And down the street away, as you see the uh, this funerary-looking coach, you, the uh, shrubs and trees and other the, the iron fence that borders the university uh, from people that would wander the grounds aimlessly, bar you know, basically hides your your path, and you're able to get the body into the coach. And Rosmond, you also go ahead and get yourself in. One of the gentlemen closes the doors in the back. Are you all agreeing to, since everyone's sort of standing here, are you going to be agreeing to meet tomorrow evening back at Evelyn's? What's the plan? Uh, yes, I, I am going to be taking my leave of you ladies now. And again, I, I don't want to impose on the deceased's family, but closed casket in a quick burning. Those are my recommendations. <laughs> we'll um, be sure to... Take note of that. Thank you, Doctor. Yes, and I, I suppose we shall meet back at your residence again on the morrow, Ms. Wolf. Uh yes. A little a little later in the in the evening than these past few nights. Uh say twelve, one. Oh, as as you say. And he will uh his his apartment shouldn't be too far away no. since we're at the college, so he'll Absolutely. just start walking in that direction. Okay, so we'll stick with you, Doctor, because this is this is something that would have happened. You get to your to your apartments, and you you know you open the front door, and I assume you're going to go check to see if there's any anything with the goose. 
Yeah, see if anybody like stapled a letter to it or something. I don't know. <laughs> you walk outside. You the, the goose is all, all the feathers have been pulled off and they're lying in a pile, and one of the feathers seems to have been dipped in blood and has been pulled really, really narrow, almost like it's super straight, and it's angled out towards the back where your where your landlord and for these set of apartments and everything occasionally does a like a, a garbage burning. He has a like a small incinerary, like a pit that he uses for burning things. And it's pointing kind of in that direction. Like the, the this one feather was laid out at an angle and pointing away. I'm assuming that I had been given like full details as far as like what different things would mean as far as trying to get a hold of the, the family via goose is concerned. And so I would start walking in the direction that the feather was pointing. Every time the family contacts you, it was it's different because they don't remember or can't recall or understand what they're supposed to do. So it takes you a little bit of deduction time usually. But yes, you're able to figure out that it, it always is a goose. Sometimes it's a goose, you know, that's been punched in the face and you're supposed to know what that means. <laughs> Sometimes it's feathers laying on the ground. Sometimes it's a goose with, goose with a note in its ass. You just never know what the Malkavians are going to give you. But you well, do this find- This one's pretty straightforward. This one is, this one is actually in good- This was a good, good clue. So you make your way out there and you just drop a few things, uh, some of the feathers, I guess, into this pit that everyone uses for, um, for burning. And this face appears through the bushes and it's- I don't want you to get the, the like um, pinhead. That's not it. The needles are not into the head. They're through the skin. So it's as if someone was sewing and stopped the needles halfway through uh, the cheeks and the forehead. And the eyelids, though, have been sewn open on the upper and lower. And his ears have been kind of re- sort of clutched into cauliflowers and sewn together like tea bags on the side of his head. And he leans through and, he, and you rec- you're like, why do they send this one sometimes? His name is Cush. <laughs> of course it is. Um, Jackal will look at him and again, suppress the urge to offer medical assistance. Oh, hello, Cush. Doctor, you left the goose. Yes, indeed I did. I was uh, hoping to gain an audience with Ms. Mitzi in the next uh, evening or so. Um, She has sent me on some business, and I've got some interesting... I've come across some interesting developments that I I feel that she should be made aware of. He tilts his head. What? Uh, You have to be a bit more specific, my good man, other than what? What as in what are the developments, or what as in you have no idea what I am talking about as per our usual conversations. <laughs> don't, don't make Kush have to repeat so many fucking words. Doctor, just, you need Mitzi, yes? Yes, yes, Kush. Dr. Jackal need Mitzi. <laughs> don't Important. be patronizing. Don't be patronizing. I'm just trying to keep it all together in my head. That's why I'm saying it slowly for you, sir. It is very important, so I'm saying it slowly so you can remember the words. Kush will take your message to Mitzi, but be warned. Things are not going well. Things are unraveling quickly, Doctor. She may not be able to come, but if she can, Kush will come back to tell you. Oh, very much appreciated, Kush. Would you like a goose? Fuck that goose. 
I suppose that's one option. She's just... It's a filthy animal. I don't know why it had to be goose. It would... Oh, it would have been so much better with a cat. Wouldn't it have been better with a cat? Well, they are quite harder to catch. I go tell Mitzi. Uh, much appreciated, Kush. It's always a pleasure to see you. Don't um, fucking lie to me, Doctor. It's not becoming... Uh, he, he he very much enjoys seeing Kush because he doesn't like him at all and he can't imagine how painful those stitches are. So it, <laughs> it makes him very happy to physically see him like that. <laughs> I'm wondering if he asked you to do it. <laughs> no, they've been around for a while. But if they ever break out or, or maybe he comes back to you and says, could you do the left eye again? So, <laughs> so all right. So your note and message have been passed on to Mitzi. Uh, he did inform you, though, that things are... It's definitely, definitely chaotic right now for the clan of chaos. Things are. And if it bit- was anybody else, I would have asked for more details, but I just can't deal with Kush. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Horatio has no no patience for Kush. Okay. Well, I won't bring Kush back. I'm sorry. I will. Oh no! You. Please do. I, I love. <laughs> as a player, I love oh, it. Yeah. As a as a character, Horatio cannot just stand him. <laughs> I hate that pink motherfucker. Okay. So. Um, so he will he will go back up to his apartments and he will write down he'll go over his notes and write down an official coroner's report leaving out anything that might people think like the black plague is coming back and oh, so about um, two thirds yeah yeah uh, really really focused did I find any fingerprints or anything on the stake yes you would have found a fingerprint so I assume I would have made however they made copies of these things. Uh, back then, and I will. Yes, yeah, some probably sort of wax vapor or um, like glue vapor and powder or whatever, and then just a rubbing or a sketch, you know, something like that to get it close. Yeah, but so yeah. include a include a copy of the fingerprints and just you know maybe leave out some of the scarier things because again, I don't want to cause a panic in the city of London, but I don't want my uh, former student to lose his job either. Evelyn, what do you do? Do you just head back home or is there some place you needed to go? The time is close to like two o'clock in the morning. Uh, it's about one thirty. Oh, one thirty. The body's been, you know, taken. Yeah, Rosamond's just pulling away. Rosamond's pulled off. Who knows where Ashenbrenner is? The good doctor has departed for the evening. I'm going to go back to my place. Um, I've done the calculations. I'm at like eight blood points. I need to eat. Okay. So I'm going to go home, have a, have a light snack. If anybody wants to come back to the bed and breakfast, they I will reconvene with them there. Corpse B&B. Yeah. <laughs> Our wine cellar is excellently stocked and the staff is just okay. So that's where we'll end it for tonight. Uh, but we'll see where we go from here. I do appreciate everyone for listening. And like I said, this is, uh, you know, the Bardic College is... Nothing without those of you who like, share, and subscribe. We need all those as you can. And if you're interested in helping support our podcast and get us so that we can make better shows for you and produce more shows, please join our Patreon. Melinda, will talk, we'll talk all about that at the end. Actually, I do it on this one. Mel does it on Cthulhu and Kyra. But uh, players, thank you again for a great evening, and we'll talk to you next week. Until next time, thanks. Take care, everybody. Good night. Thank you for listening to Hellfire Nights. You can like, share, and subscribe to our show wherever you get your podcasts. To help support our network of real play adventure shows, please visit us at patreon.com forward slash the Bardic College. And for as little as $3 a month, you can get access to behind the scenes reels, 
interviews with players and storytellers, and exclusive adventures featuring your favorite characters from our shows.